Welcome to Bleacher Blum, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now, the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team, Blummer. All right. Happy holidays, everybody. It is, man, this is the tail end of the season. This will be the last podcast before Christmas or holiday events that you're going through at home with your friends and family happens. This is Bleacher Blums. You are on with Jeff Blum, 14-year Major League veteran, current Astros broadcaster, and my good buddy across the way out on the left coast, David Tuttle, played for Team USA back in the late 80s, played at Santa Clara University, spent an extensive amount of time in the minor leagues, and has been traded several times for a couple of big-name players. So he has got experience in the game. We like talking sports. We like talking dad stuff. We like talking about anything that has to do with something that you and your buddies would talk about while you're sitting on the couch or riding in the car together. We'll hit some of the big stories. Obviously, the Astros, uh, there's some minimal news with them in in sports right now. So we'll hit on a little bit of that, most notably the Cole signing. And uh, Christmas time is around. Um, I've got a question for Tuttle about the logo that is on the Yankee uniform, which is going to be interesting. That was also a mega billion dollar deal that Nike signed with uh, Major League Baseball. And I've got some thoughts about some crossover music where where heavy metal bands do music of pop stars. That'll come up in Blum and Blummer. And I also have a, a thought on Christmas cards. Are they really worth it? And what is the point of Christmas cards now that we have all of this social media? But anyways... I, I regress, and we are going to get back to the most important part of this Bleacher Blum's podcast is the talent. I, myself, Jeff Blum, but of course, David Tuttle, coming in from the West Coast. How are we doing, Tuttle? Everything been good the last week for you, man? Yeah, Blummer, it's awesome. You know, the end of the year gets quite hectic with the uh, holiday stuff, but uh, the kids are about to get out of school. So the uh, calm before the storm, our last podcast here before the, the ruckus happens at the Tuttle house. But uh, yeah, everything's great. Everything's great. And uh I'm looking forward to seeing you in a, a week or so as well, because you're heading out to the uh, left coast, the good coast, and you're going to get good, well, you'll get rain, but you'll at least have 50, <laughs> 60, 70 degree weather. But Yeah, we're actually, the family and I, we have planned a trip. We are going to go out to California and hang out with some friends and family out there. Obviously, I'm going to make time to see some of the guys. My wife gave me one day out of that trip to go see the boys, and we've got golf set up. We're going to go out there and play in San Clemente somewhere, whether it be the municipal course, which is basically Torrey Pines North, or we'll find another course in San Clemente that I've set up. But uh, I get to see some good buddies. Tuttle's going to be one of those guys that I get to hang out with. So we're not sure what we're going to do moving, moving forward over the Christmas break because we are going to be in contact with each other. So I would imagine that eventually, somehow, some way, our voices will be recorded it's just the quality of the content that might be a little concerning for those of you who know Tuttle and I enough that if we actually get together and we have an off day where there's zero responsibility other than getting that little white ball into that cup, we may have a couple of drinks in our cups and may have some banter going on because a lot of uh, a lot of the guys that we're going to play golf with are actually West Coast guys that uh, I went to college with. My brother's going to be there, and there's a couple of uh, there's one Dodger and one Angel fan in that group, so it'll be a lot of fun maybe to talk a little bit of trash, stir it up because of some of the signings that have happened in the American League West, trying to spice things up. And again, you know what's interesting to me is, uh, you know the. 
early baseball talk is that a lot of teams are making these moves and everybody goes, what are the Astros going to do? What do the Astros have to do? They don't have to do anything. They've got two aces on their rotation. They've got a pretty solid lineup. There's just some pieces that maybe we'll talk about a little bit later on in this podcast that will give you an idea of what they might do after the holiday season is over and things die down a little bit. But uh, you can always get to us on bleacherblums.com. We've passed that point of where you can order shirts and hats and get them there by the time Christmas starts. But don't let that don't let that uh, deter you from going on to bleacherblums.com, checking out our shop because we've got some cool T-shirts, uh, some great hats. The hats have been doing really well, and I've actually added a couple of scorecards on there. If anybody wants to get those, I can actually do my best. I can probably almost guarantee that if you're listening to this podcast today, I can try and get those to you as soon as possible for Christmas. Uh, most notably, the Justin Verlander no-hitter, his third no-hitter from this season, and uh, Garrett Cole's 16-strikeout game. A little nostalgia as Garrett Cole moves on to the New York Yankees. But uh, you can find out more about David Tuttle on BleacherBlums.com, and I know Tuttle's got more on some of that social media aspect and the website. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you're going to go visit your friends and Tuttle. I thought that was appropriate, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you're and more we'll important to me now. There. I don't know what what's the next level after friendship. Yeah, I mean, no, it's not business partner. You're already no, my no. co-host. I no, mean, I is it you. like, you know. Well, I just mean it's usually below. Kim. Like, people used to go gentlemen and Blum, right? Like, you know, let me see it. <laughs> well, friends that, that makes and more Tuttle. sense. We're going to have all my friends out on the golf course and Tuttle. And that um, guy. That guy. Uh, you know, it's funny that you called uh, the Astro. Well, you didn't call it Astros news, but is the Garrett Cole signing really Astros news? It's not, is it? I mean, no. it's kind of a funny little category there. So, as you already touched on, um, bleacherblums.com at real David Tuttle on Twitter. I'm trying to do a better job of doing the Tuttle quote of the day, which we had uh, firing on all cylinders maybe uh, a month ago. But I'm trying to be a little more selective with the quotes I choose, and uh, I'm getting a good response on that still. And then we have a, a really small mailbag, so I think people are packing in for the holidays. Hopefully, you guys don't forget, ab uh, forget about us out there, and you're able to download the podcast and listen, and we'll try and keep you enlightened and engaged. Should we start the mailbag here, Blummer? You ready? Yeah, let's go ahead and get those out of the way because I know you've got some pretty heavy topics uh, that you want to talk about as far as baseball is concerned. And, of course, we we got to tease what will Tuttle say, man. That has been a good one here in recent days. So, yeah, let's hit the mailbag real quick. All right, the mailbag. The first question is from Jacob G. He says, hey, guys, love the show, and I'm a big fan. Your podcast has given me the idea of attempting to start my own Houston sports-themed podcast from the perspective of everyday fans. My question is, what advice do y'all have? Yeah, another y'all for someone who is wanting to get started with their own podcast. Well, um, I will just tee this up for you since I'm the one reading the questions. You know, Jacob, it's really funny because Jeff and I thought about doing this podcast maybe like five or six years ago. And if you go back and listen to the first or second podcast, um, he kind of gives an update or a highlight as to, you know, talking to Tuttle in the parking lot wasn't really as productive necessarily, but it was enjoyable. And that's kind of what started this going. But I really think like anything else, and you can probably tell from our uh, editing and our sound quality and all that, we're kind of, you know, making progress, but it's really about the, uh, the belief, the excitement and the content. So we really wanted to just, uh, you know, kind of put our thoughts out there for our own, you know, it's almost like cathartic for us to have it. And then what we found is that people do like our insight and they like listening to it. 
So I think first and foremost, you just, you know, the fact that you have an idea to do a Houston sports theme podcast and you're asking us about it. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the, the beginning of probably starting a podcast. Yeah. And I highly encourage it. I know Tuttle and I, when we started this podcast, we didn't want to dominate area we were shooting for we wanted to have everybody enjoy it we thought we'd had fun with it and like Tuttle said it's something that we we had talked about frequently and I think now you know with with me becoming a little more solidified in the Houston area having a having a job I had a little more opportunity to find my routine and find my find my voice or find a brand and we decided to do that together with this podcast but I encourage anybody listening to this Go do it, research it. If you have something to say, get it out there. And, you know, Tuttle and I have gotten a great response because the fans have been so gracious to us and downloading this. And hopefully it has a lot to do with the content because we do put some effort into this and try and give you some content that you want to hear and get to know us a little bit better. But do the research and get out there and do it. I encourage everybody to get out there and and create your opportunity. And I think that's what this podcast has kind of done for us. And yes, we are learning along the way. Uh, there were some hiccups. There were some audio issues. There were editing issues. It had a lot to do with me trying to learn the other side of the microphone, which was a lot of fun. And we went through different websites. We went through different microphones. We went through different editing choices. Uh, you know, luckily I found a website that actually uploads to all the platforms that I have. So logistically, you know, we went from using a couple of different websites that would allow us to speak together, record, buffer the sound, and then it would send it to me. I use uh, Adobe Audition for audio editing, uh, but that was a little hard on some of the platforms. And all of a sudden, we stumbled across the easiest thing there is, Skype. And currently, we are doing the last four or five podcasts on Skype, and they've actually been pretty good, I feel. Uh, you know, the sound has been great. The uh, continuity of the, of the podcast has been a lot better, and it's been a hell of a lot easier for me to edit this thing on uh, Adobe Audition. And then I use, I think my, what are we using? Yeti microphones by Blue, Blue yeah. Microphone or something like that. Yeah. So, and it's a USB microphone that we plug in, plug in your heads, headsets, and you're good to go. So uh, that's as far as logistics, and we're not highly technical. Trust me, man. I mean, there's been many a day where we, Tuttle and I have sat there staring at each other on FaceTime or on the Skype call going, what in the actual F is going on with my microphone? Because one guy could hear, the other guy couldn't hear, but you know, perseverance eventually pays off and creativity, but have a lot of fun with it and, and do it. Like Shia LaBeouf said, just do it! That's right. No, I, I think I mean, you hit the nail on the head, with, which is like, we're not highly technical. I, I, I've read articles on this as well. There's uh, obviously a lot more uh, famous podcasters out in the real world, but basically be consistent and persistent. And I think things will pay off. And, and you know, w we do enjoy sharing it. And, and as Jeff pointed out, the, uh, the audience has been more than gracious, but we do this because we enjoy it. And that's the bottom line. So if there's something that you're passionate about and you really feel like you want to get out there and do it, as you just said, I'll follow up. Just do it. Um, all right. That'll move us to the next question. So, uh, yeah. So, Jacob, just let us know when uh, when your podcast uh, starts and uh, we'll make sure that we download and uh, rate and review as well. And we'll be as nice to you as you were to us. How about that? That's a great um, call. So, yeah. Holly J says, I came across this article, the link. Uh, I haven't sent it over to Jeff yet. It was on routinebaseball.com about the deconstruction of minor league baseball. I'd love to hear your take on this topic. Living in the Round Rock area for 20 years, we have loved the Express from the start. 
as the AA affiliate of the Astros. Reading the article, it seems the restructuring will mainly affect the northwestern U.S., most likely the lower levels of minor league baseball. Tuttle, as a career minor leaguer, I'm very interested to get your take on this. I think there's a little concern from Alfred about this situation. Yeah, Alfred's squawking again. He just loves the <laughs> podcast, man. No, this is um, an interesting topic. You know, and Tuttle's, Tuttle has... I should do a better job of reading into some of these topics because this is a major issue. And I just, I, I jumped uh, Tuttle right there, but, but because we, we've actually had a pretty extensive conversation. So a lot of the thoughts that we're going to give you right now on this topic are just going to be off the top of our head or maybe straight from our heart because, you know, he first mentioned this question to me. And the first thing I said is cutting teams means cutting dreams. And that's the problem. I think that most people see in this, you know, if you, if you take the heart and you take the mind out of it and you look at it just from, uh, you know, maybe a little bit higher altitude, you say, if you take away teams, you're taking away 25 roster spots per team, there's 40 teams. And then all of a sudden you extrapolate that out to a couple hundred or maybe a thousand players. And you say, those are dreams that you're squashing. Now, I think Tuttle actually had some really, really good rebuttal opinions on this and maybe a little more of a logistic idea to it but i've always been on the more passionate side of things we're like well what how do you know that the guy in a ball isn't going to be the next Derek jeter or the next vladimir guerrero so that's where i kind of stepped in but Tuttle kind of changed my mind a little bit not changed my mind but offered up a very good thought on the other side and there are a lot of it's a pretty complicated issue for both the players because I'm going to get into some of my thoughts and one of the things that Tuttle talked about that really kind of sparked a, a quote or an idea that I try and instill in my kids. So Tuttle, with that being said, what are your first impressions when you hear the idea of cutting some of these minor league uh, teams in baseball? Yeah, Holly, thanks so much for the question. I, and I'm glad that you, uh, that you, um, you know, are looking for my insight on this because I did play in the minor leagues for almost 10 years. I would say first that I actually think, you know, without reading the article and getting into the nitty gritty on this, and I will, I'm going to do some more research. My initial reaction was it's probably a good thing in terms of the talent level and maybe the financial aspect for the players involved. And what I mean by that is when I play with the Cincinnati Reds, they had five A-ball teams. That was high A, low A. Uh, they had two low A-ball teams, one in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and one in Charleston, West Virginia. And then they also had two short season rookie ball teams, which was Princeton, West Virginia and um, Billings, Montana. So just to get to Winston-Salem, high A, which, you know, high A ball is supposed to be kind of the upper level of your young guys. You had Winston-Salem, Charleston, West Virginia, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Billings, Montana, and you had Charleston, uh, Princeton, West Virginia. All five of those teams with guys making less than minimum wage. Essentially, if we look at that, they're making $800 a month. You're piled in an apartment or you have a foster home or, a, you know, kind of a, a home, uh, whatever they, what do they call family. This? Host family. Thank you. Foster home. That's, I don't think that's quite accurate. <laughs> so a host family, and that's enabling you to save money. But you have all those guys. I mean, as you said, eliminating these teams might eliminate some dreams. But I also think that the amount of people that come out of those five teams that actually make the big leagues and that are very successful has got to be fairly minimal compared to the guys that they've already seen. I think we touched on this last podcast, like, like Scott Boris is a genius, but we're laughing that Garrett Cole was the number one overall pick. Um, Rendon was the, the seventh pick in the draft. 
and you had Strasburg was the number one overall pick. So basically, these three guys that are making a lot of money were the best amateurs available in their, you know, essentially in the years that they were drafted. So I guess what I'm saying, and maybe it's a little um, counter, not a counterintuitive, but counter to what you thought that I would say, is that I, I think this could be a good thing if it's done correctly, meaning they'll eliminate some teams, which means the talent level or the talent pool gets better. So just like in the NFL or the NBA, they have two rounds of a draft. I think in the NFL, they have seven rounds of a draft. And those are the best qualified players. They also have some you know, free agent camps and they have some other ways for you to, um, as you said, the practice squad, I think when we talked about this off air, there's some other ways for you to showcase your talent. But that talent level in that pool is better. And the scouts and the teams have a, a less area to focus on to make these guys um, uh, more effective. And then the other part is that if they're not spending so much money on, you know, five groups of A-ball players, maybe that $800 a month goes up to like $2,000 a month or something like that. There's actual way, actually a way to pay these guys more money. And as we know, if they're making enough money to put food on the table or enough money to pay their rent, they can focus on actually the skill that they're, you know, being paid to, uh, to uh, you know, to utilize in their profession. Yeah. And again, it is a very complicated issue because it goes literally, it goes from ownership all the way through down into the minor leagues, obviously, but there's cities involved. You know, there's communities, there's, yeah, you know, there's, there's structure in place that communities rely on maybe for six months out of the year to have this minor league team in town and to draw interest to their town from fans friends, family of players that are on the team. So there is an economy wrapped around that as far as the community is concerned. I think that's why it's interesting to see Round Rock, you know, this email come from Round Rock. That is a, a highly valued, lucrative city as far as the AAA team is concerned. Now, again, that is AAA. That is one step away from the big leagues. So the further you get away from the big leagues, obviously the less money like Tuttle is talking about as far as Pay, payment is your salaries are concerned and then the stadiums aren't as nice maybe the cities are a little bit smaller but these teams have an impact on those communities so there is some there's got to be some empathy and some concern about that because you will be taking away jobs literally concession stands you know things logistically that run a a stadium so that'll affect the the community but then again, I like the idea of, you know, when you do take away, say you take away three teams from every organization, you're taking away three 25-man rosters of salary. So to Tuttle's point is once you compress that salary and realize that you have, you know, this residual income, you can place it on the value of the guys that you have in your organization. And more money for the players is obviously going to make them happier. The, I think the product is going to get better. You know, but it's where do you draw that line? Where, you know, where is that sensitivity? Because baseball is really the only national or not national. The baseball is really the only major sport that has an extensive minor leagues like this. I believe the NHL has cut back on their minor leagues. We talked about the NFL has their scout teams or their practice squads, whatever you want to call them. And then, uh, you know, the NBA has, uh, what you know, the alphabet soup of, of leagues that they have underneath them. But there are opportunities. G League, the, D League, yeah. F League. <laughs> so they, they have these leagues, but they're very, they're very controlled and, and not expansive. You know, is it, have we gotten to the point where we need to cut back on that? And I think that's where you have a tough time. And one thing I think, too, is 
if you cut away some of those teams, you don't have this stockpile of just bodies in your organization. It's going to force these teams to maybe restructure the way they evaluate the talent within their organization to make them better. So to Tuttle's original point, the product will become hopefully better when you eliminate some of the some of the the lower end and force these guys in your organization to be better players to achieve the level you want them to be at. Well, as you mentioned, what you say to your daughter and what I say to my daughters as well is, you know, if you want more playing time, then you got to play play better and work harder. And I think that's the American dream in general. And then to just kind of piggyback off your point, I, I this this reminds me because they were saying Dak Prescott got snubbed, um, you know, in the in the uh, in the All Pro or what what's his uh, Pro Bowl, he got a snub. They're saying that he should have made the Pro Bowl over uh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, we have uh, Alfred making an appearance here on the uh, <laughs> podcast. He's not barking, but he's hanging out. I think um, he's checking himself out. There you go. Anyway, so Dak Prescott got snubbed. I kind of view that as the same thing you were saying, like, where do you draw the line, right? It's like, which A-ball team do you get rid of? This community and these jobs, you have to draw the line somewhere. And I think if we talk about an increase in salaries for minor league players and the ability to have better talent to evaluate and better talent, a better talent pool going towards the big leagues. I don't see a problem with it. If we're talking about, like you said, decimating a, an economy of a smaller town, like a small Northwestern town in Maine or New Hampshire, then obviously that needs to be evaluated on a case by case basis. But, um, you know, I, I've met plenty of guys because I played in the minor leagues for so long. Um, you know, the strike year in 1995, I was with the reds and some guys crossed the picket line you know, and they, they were kind of branded as scabs the whole time. I mean, you know, some of these guys came from the Northern League or the Northwest League that weren't affiliated with ma uh, major league teams. And, you know, yet they still have this this kind of mantra like, yeah, I played professional baseball. I played, you know, is that really professional baseball if you're outside of that in the independent leagues and if you're um, just crossing over the picket line while the uh, NF, uh, MLBPA is on strike? So, you know, these are other issues that we could really dive into. But I think on its face, maybe you would say someone who played so long in the minor leagues would say this is a you know this is a great opportunity to uh, to kind of stand on the podium and say hey these guys should have an opportunity just like I did. But I felt like I had an opportunity, and I and I do I use the mantra like play harder, do better, especially against your peers and 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 your teammates, and you'll get the opportunity. And I think that if they're going to pay the guys more and the uh, talent pool gets better, I actually see this as a positive thing. And you know. I, I don't know. Yeah, but I also think it, it opens up an opportunity for these communities, you know, to create their own leagues. Maybe somebody's, you know, spirals, you know, spins off and creates the XFL of minor league baseball, and you have these uh, stadiums in some of these smaller cities, you know, attract some of the talent, and then they take care of financially their own way and paying these guys, and it gives those guys an opportunity to continue their careers if they choose to. But it's a tough call all the way around. It's you know you don't wish this on anybody, but at the same time you're not talking about eliminating eliminating a big league franchise. You're talking about eliminating guys, and I don't know what the numbers are. Hopefully, some of these articles that we do have a chance to research and read give us a better idea of how many guys actually make it out of a short season A ball team or a low season A ball team because those are kind of waiting grounds. And you know just to give you an idea, like short season A ball. 
for me is I played in short season A ball. I came out of the college and went there. And I think that's what it's for. Mostly is for those guys who get drafted in June to maybe play the last three months of a season and get their feet wet in minor league baseball. The low A team, I, I skipped that level. I, I'm not, you probably did too, Tuttle, right? Uh, so I, I missed short season. I came out a little bit injured, so everybody has their story. But I played Team USA the whole summer I got drafted. Yeah. And then I went to instructional league. And then when I showed up to spring training, I had a little uh, kinky uh, arm. But so I did spend a whole year at low A. Mm. Um, okay. So, yeah. but I mean, everything I, low A was like a rehab session or low A was a, kind of a, your last ditch effort to try and get to the next level because, you know, two or three levels of A ball, I think is what major league baseball or what some of these owners are kind of going, do we really need this type of stuff? Because all the guys that we're getting, that are worthy of the big leagues are in high A ball, double A, and triple A. Those are the three levels. And you want to see advancement. You don't want to have holding grounds or, or fillers, seat fillers in your minor league system. But uh, to Tuttle's point, what we both try and tell our kids in the way that we've, I feel like we've both approached our, our, our games or our, you know, trek through baseball, whether it be in college, high school, uh, minor leagues, major leagues, and I'm telling my daughters right now, you know, I've got a situation where one of my triplets is moved into seventh period PE, but I've got two that are staying in in first period PE. You know, that's a big difference. And I'm, you know, you you don't like the situation. What do we do? How do you fix the situation? Or how do you you have a couple of options? You could just say, I don't care. I'm gonna I'm content here. Or you could say, I'm gonna quit. But what I think Tuttle and I both say is we go, if you don't like the situation, what do you have to do? You got to work harder. You got to play better. You got to change their minds and make them remember your name in the right way. And I think that's what I try and instill in my kids. And I think that's what a lot of athletes, a lot of kids who are in school, uh, whether you're going for a job, if you're in the workforce and middle management, you want to get out, find a way to work better or play harder and, and turn some heads and get that opportunity. Couldn't say it any better myself. Um, I was going to say we had a couple things uh, come up this week, and uh, we'll get to fantasy football and some other items on don't bet on it because you and I have a big decision to make for fantasy football here. I, I think yes, we're, we do. We're kind of we might be short a guy, so we got to figure that out. Um, I want to bring up the Max Muncie situation. You always ask me to keep you abreast of the Dodgers situation out here on the left coast, and uh, Max Muncie sent out a tweet this week saying, you know. I do appreciate the Dodger fans, but, you know, leave me alone. And just like everything on social media, it got a little <laughs> misinterpreted. And this is funny because you and I have had the situation before, and this is, a, you know, talking to Tuttle in the parking lot uh, topic that we discussed maybe five, six years ago, is I had asked you personally, I said, hey, Blummer, you know, you're, you're a little more popular than I am, but I'll still get uh, baseball cards in the mail. And I said, you know, they'll ask for an autograph or something like that. And I think, you know, Hopefully I'm not outing any big secret here, but you said, basically, if you receive mail at the field, at the stadium, then you sign that and send it back to the fans. If you receive it at your home, where you live with your family and your grandma and your kids and your dog, um, typically you don't send that back. You throw it away or, you know, whatever, however that goes, return to sender. But uh, it was good advice. And I thought, you know, I, I made the mistake one year of signing, a, you know, one card that I got in the mail. And then next week I got 50 baseball cards in the mail. <laughs> and, you know, as I got married and the family grew, I think there is always some concern with the way the world is. It's not so much about your safety, but it's kind of about, you know, when you're at work, you work. And when you're at home, you want to spend some time um, with your family. And then, you know, there's obviously the privacy aspect, but obviously, 
Max Muncy, just to fill in the audience, Max Muncy's uh, home address got leaked either on the internet or got leaked somewhere. And he showed up uh, returning from vacation and he had, you know, 20,000 pieces of mail or something like that, extensive. And he was a little uh, upset by it and and rightfully so. So I, I wanted to bring this topic up just to let the fans know that, you know, let's let's kind of remember there's etiquette with all this stuff. It's kind of like eating, using your salad fork with the salad and your, you know, your dinner fork with the dinner. Maybe that's a little, um, you know, too highfalutin, but I, I think what Max Muncy was trying to articulate is, look, he does appreciate the, uh, uh, the admiration and the adulation as for his success on the field. But when it comes to his family and, and things like that, he wants to kind of keep those separate. And I believe his tweet said the exact same thing that you mentioned to me five years ago, which is, you know, if you have any mail for me, you want me to sign cards and things like that, send it to the field. I'll happily uh, sign it and send it back. So uh, obviously, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that Blummer and, and what you think the etiquette should be. And, and you know, do you think he overreacted? Because I think he handled it um, well, but I'm not sure all the fans understand why that's a line that they shouldn't cross. Yeah, because I think that's exactly what it is. As professional athletes, as broadcasters, as podcasters, we are putting ourselves out there. We are putting ourselves in the public forum for, for ridicule, criticism, Ad, adulation, admiration, and we are tr we are trying to provide you with as much of ourselves as we possibly can. Max Muncy goes out there and plays his heart out with that Dodger blue across his chest. He's done a hell of a job. He's been to a couple of World Series, so he has created an, an extremely good fan base. He's he's done a great job of creating a brand, telling Madison Bumgarner to go fish his baseball out of the ocean. So I understand the appeal of some of these guys, and fans want to get their piece of a player, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, you know, media, hockey, whatever it is, a public figure, a personality in the public, you want to get your, your piece of them. But the home is where I draw that line because that is where I, I, I prov that's the place I provide for my kids. That's the place I provide for my wife. That's the place I provide sanctuary to get away from my public life. That is why they call it a private home. And yes, this day and age with the internet, you have the availability of finding out anybody's home address. And I made the decision a long time ago. I don't know who gave me the advice or if it was just, you know, a personal thing for me, but I just felt, I felt a little violated when I got, when I got baseball cards at my house, I was like, man, I go, I appreciate the fact you want my autograph, but I don't appreciate the fact that you took the effort to find my home private address to send it to. You know, there's plenty of avenues to get a hold of these people. I know that, you know, maybe in Hollywood, they've got a PR staff or an agent you can send stuff to. Professional athletes, obviously, they either have websites or they have uh, PO boxes or they have stadiums. And even to this day, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've had situations where people have sent stuff to the Chicago White Sox. And guess what? When I go through the Chicago White Sox during the regular season, they give me my mail. And even to this day, too, at Minute Maid Park, anybody who, who, who gets at me on Twitter, hey, Blom, I found this. Can you sign it? Of course. Send it to Minute Maid Park. I will gladly sign it and get it back to you as soon as I possibly can. And most ball clubs, I would say almost 100% of every ball club out there does a very good job of, of getting the 
the memorabilia, the baseball cards to the player or to the personality. So, you know, take advantage of that and don't waste your time sending it to the private house because once in a while you're going to find that guy like me who if you send it to the house, it's going to disappear. Yeah, you know, I'll keep the, to be honest, I keep the cards, I show it to my daughter. I'm like, hey, look, dad played for the Padres back in the day, you know, but uh, I will, I will not return that. And you've just wasted, shoot, nowadays, almost a buck 50 in in postage to try and get that thing to me. So just, you know, it's hard. I appreciate what Max Muncy did, but it's hard when you put it out there on social media, because I guarantee you, you know, we understand and we're trying to explain why you should understand what Max did. But I guarantee you, if you follow that thread, he probably got ripped to shreds by some of these fans going, oh, what a dick. You know, I can't believe you did that. Blah. You know, but I, but you and I, we, we understand and we're just trying to provide a little more information or another avenue of knowledge and understanding for what uh, some of these guys are going through. Yeah, and that's what this podcast is for, and that's why I brought it up. I just wanted to be clear. I mean, obviously, I don't have the uh, fame and adulation and maybe the following, but I still have baseball cards out there, and uh, when they get to my house, uh, I follow the Blum protocol and the Max Muncy <laughs> protocol, which is I keep the card, and my kids are thrilled, especially my daughters who never really saw me play. Like, oh, my God, my dad has a baseball card. But guess what? I don't sign it, and I don't send it back. And And part of that, as you said, to get, just kind of let it go into perpetuity, you don't want people to know if that is your address because a lot of times it's a fishing expedition for them as well, and you don't really know if it's uh, if it's a true fan or not. So anyway, I think the private and professional life just need to be separate, and uh, it's a good protocol. It is a good protocol, and if you have, if anybody listening to this podcast digs deep enough and finds a card of myself or David Tuttle, send it, send it to me, send it to Jeff Blum at Minute Maid Park, and I will make sure that David Tuttle gets it. So now the official mailing address is five hundred one Crawford Street, Houston, Texas seven seven zero zero one. Minute Maid Park, care of Jeff Blum or David Tuttle, and I will make sure that it gets to him so you can have your personalized David Tuttle autograph because I know people are going to be looking around now because those those are actually probably a pretty good commodity these days, having those late 80s, mid-80s uh, Team USA teams because those collector sets, if they actually have them, because I believe Tops and Don Russ and some of these organizations actually did a good job, and those, there are some good dudes along with Tuttle on that team, man. Well, certainly more valuable dudes. I, I was a good dude, but yeah. But if you can complete a set, if you yeah. can complete a set with David Tuttle, hey, there's it a little a, extra value in that. That's right. It was a top stadium club set that came in like I the remember shape that. Of the stadium. Yeah. So I think yeah, you'll have a, a Charles Johnson card in there, maybe Ooh. a Jeff Hammonds card in there. Oh, man. You know, uh, I played against both those guys in college. Man, they were badasses. Yeah, they were badasses. That's right. And uh, yeah, good guys as well. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not saying send their cards to Minute Maid Park, but you could start with uh, the Bleacher Blums podcast crew. And I'd be happy to sign a card if Jeff receives it. If he doesn't put it on his wall and uh, throw darts yeah, at keep it, it. we're good. I'm going to frame that thing up. No, that's good stuff. I, I actually appreciate you bringing that up, uh, covering that left coast force Tuttle and giving us some insight. I think it's an interesting topic that maybe a lot of fans don't really know about, but now you know a, a better avenue to uh, to get to Max Muncy and other players around the leagues, whatever you're watching or whoever you feel like getting an autograph from. But uh, do you got any reads right now, or do you want me to throw it right into uh, what will Tuttle say? What do you got? Oh, I don't have any reads at all. I mean, we, we know about Ram shirts, and we know about the uh... – you know, crush city tees. And we missed, as you said, at the outset of the podcast, it's, if you, if we're, if you're hearing this today, then you missed the Christmas deadline for getting the stuff out. But, uh, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't order stuff 
from the uh, bleacherblums.com website um, provided by Ramshirts and crushcitytees.com. Um, I just had a couple other uh, topics for Weddle Tuttle Say because my Weddle Tuttle Say get off the lawn kids segment is, uh, is you know, going to be its usual fun thing. I, but, uh, how, I, how come I don't get to lead into this? I mean, you've got your own, you've got theme music. You've got me setting this whole thing up, and now you're just like, hey, man, here's what I'll total say, dude. Come on, man. Yeah, well, It is no, that I... time in this podcast. I know Alfred's jumping on your lap right now. He's perking up. The ears are at the full, full extension for what'll Tuttle say. All right. Well, there you go. It's what'll Tuttle say. <laughs> Ahead of ahead of time, we'll we'll keep this under uh, under an hour, I guess. Um, so today, the Waddle Tuttle say topic is kids' performances at school. <laughs> um, so everybody, picture that in their mind; they can get a, a smile out of this. And and I met Jeff um, when our kids were going to school together, so I know that he's quite oh, yeah. aware of this. And I don't know if he's guilty of it. If he is, maybe he'll have a counterpoint. But um, I, I view this as the same way I view autographs. I've, obviously, I was a, a good athlete my whole life and, you know, getting into professional sports. Um, my, my second year, 1994, my second or third year with the uh, Cincinnati Reds, I was in double A. And that was the year that Michael Jordan decided to play double A baseball for the Birmingham Barons. And I remember we were shagging fly balls in the outfield. And, you know, it was really fun to kind of rub elbows with him and talk to him. And ask him, you know, kind of pick his brain like, hey, you know, you're playing minor league baseball, obviously, you know, one of the best athletes on the planet. But what made you decide to do that? And it was kind of fun. Um, I think he autographed a baseball for a couple of the guys on the team. I might have a Michael Jordan. I might have a Michael Jordan autographed baseball somewhere. But my um, my comfort level and my excitement was just to actually have the experience and the and the. Uh, the uh, the conversation with Michael Jordan, which many people will not have the opportunity to do in their lifetime. I relate that to these kids' performances because as I went to my uh, daughter's choral Christmas performance today for the fifth graders, I realized that you know the first two rows are always taken up with the parents that have the iPads on record and they're like blocking everybody's view and they want to get just their kid and now you're watching from behind as they. They focus in and they tap the screen and they get that yellow square right around the kid's face and and they'll do it for each song. And, you know, you're kind of dodging and bobbing and weaving like here, trying to get a little view of your child between some iPads and some iPhones and some dad that decides to stand up. And I'm thinking, why not just enjoy the performance? And that's just been my philosophy for my whole life is like, look, you know, maybe like you said before, you know, when we talked about the etiquette, we've grown up in a locker room. We're not in awe when we're, you know, around these athletes that we, you know, that we kind of consider our peers or that, you know, we were peers with at one time or another. But man, part of the enjoyment is to actually sit there and and take pride in your kids, you know, their singing voice or the fact that they're singing jingle bells with, bl you know, blushing and, you know, embarrassed or whatever it is. But if you, I mean, how many, how often do you go back and watch what you recorded as well? Like, are you really going to go back and watch their fourth grade recital of, you know, Jingle Bells with all the other kids? I, I, I don't know. And maybe I'm in the minority, but I feel like people need to stop trying to record and photograph everything and live life a little bit and enjoy the experience. What do you say, Blummer? 
It's actually pretty interesting that you bring that up because we actually, there was something that happened last night after dinner. I'll get into that in just a second because I'm with you as far as, you know, the recording and watching. What do we, you know, it would be, we, we should start a, a YouTube channel where we pull up videos, like <laughs> have people send us recordings of their kids and we'll just break down and commentate over what they're doing or not doing incredibly horrifically wrong, out of tune. Oh, are you kidding me? That that kid is tone deaf, or you know, we start just where that probably would be good with the kids. But uh, you know, is that the purpose? Do I sit at home and watch rewatch the uh, recital and go, babe? You know how upset I am right now. We've worked for months on getting uh, the, that recorder note just perfect, and you blew it. You had your one shot. I go, now I have to delete it off my phone. I can't have this. You know, is that what we're doing? Uh, or are we going, oh, my gosh. I mean, how cute can that video be for how long? And, you know, it's funny because at the time you record it, you're super stoked. Your kid's the best. Oh, what a performance. They got up in front of the, the people and they cranked it out. It wasn't perfect, but they did it. Yay, Johnny. I have an app on my phone now called Time phone and I'm getting to the point where I now it's finding these videos that I've put up of my kids uh you know from fourth grade and like you said our, our kids went together so I'm finding these videos from the recitals that they had and I'll send them to the family and the kids are like oh dad delete that get rid of that's terrible oh my gosh how do you still have that so it kind of backfires in a sense now that they're a little bit older. They're like, dude, get rid of that. That is horrible. I don't want to see that ever again. So it kind of defeats the purpose of doing it in the first place. Just a fast forward for some of you parents of younger kids out there. And if you do have kids listening to this, we probably should have given a spoiler alert. We'd love you to death. But recording it, is it really necessary? And to that point, just a quick story about what happened at dinner last night for the Blum family. My oldest daughter turned 16. We still had some cake. We had a sheet cake. And one of the triplets, Audrey, says, I've always kind of had this desire to shove my face into the cake. You know, one of those moments where someone has the pie in your face or you get your head smashed in. So we were like, we've got plenty of cake left. There's enough room to shove your face into it. Here's your chance. So before she, as she's getting ready to do it, she's holding her hair back. And then one of the kids goes, no, let me get my phone. And my wife said, she goes, why do you need your phone? Why can't we just watch it, enjoy it, laugh about it, and really remember it inside of our heads and, and move on with the memory instilled inside our heads? So, you know, that's one way of looking at it. And the phone has kind of gotten into that point of the iPads of, of getting in there and filming everything. If you film it, enjoy it. But I mean, I'm on kind of both sides because I, I remember more inside my skull. The more important moments I remember inside my skull and then some of the less important ones end up on my phone. You know, Corey and I are on the same page, obviously. She said the same thing. And, and I think if you recorded it while it was live and it was kind of, um, to use that word organic again, if it was just organic and you had your phone, you're like, oh, I should record this. Not stop what you're doing. Let me go get the phone. Stage that's, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that grouchy. Like, And you can record things. So my son's a pianist. He, he plays the piano really well. I, I If he has his own recital, 
and they give you a little chair to sit in front of it's fine but when it's 55th graders singing like you said <laughs> off key and you don't have any sort of uh, on-court awareness or emotional intelligence about that everyone else is doing the same thing or that you're blocking their view. That's really more what I'm talking about. And I guess most of what will Tuttle say when I have a gripe is typically about like the emotional intelligence aspect of it. Like, hey, there's, you know, a hundred other parents in here. If you stand up and you have your iPad Pro, like, you know, kind of in front of your face, nobody could see. So that's, you know... It, I, I can see myself being on both sides. As you said, you're on both sides. If this is something that, you know, is a performance they've been working for or, you know, it's a celebration after a, a district championship game or something like that and you want to get it on your phone, that's great because those kind of things you will remember. But let's not, like, freeze real time or let's not say, hey, Michael, Jordan, I uh, hang on. I want to record this conversation so I can remember it. And he'll walk away from you like, hey, <laughs> let's just shoot the breeze out here and yeah. you can go tell your buddies like, hey. You know, I really enjoyed that conversation and it, and it meant a lot to me. And, you know, I'll remember that. So that's that's the Weddle Tuttle say for the day. And uh, hopefully people can relate. There you go. Weddle Tuttle say is over with. And before we get into Blum and Blummer, I wanted to hit on a couple of Astro things or maybe some baseball news. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, Carlos Correa. What do the Astros need? Is he on the block? I think that we all need to understand that. Carlos Donald talent, uh, but I think in the last four or five years has been on the field an average of 97 games. And then the the you know Alex Bregman being signed to a five-year, $100 million deal it tells you that he's going to be in Houston a little bit longer, and he has the ability to move to shortstop. So Abraham Toro to third base, there's just – there's some uh, – they need catching. Wilson Contreras is another name that's out there quite a bit as far as a, a possible catcher that could come over. I, I, I read an article today that kind of follows up on what we talked about last podcast about the Angels and Dallas Keuchel maybe being a good match for them to pick up a nice uh, piece in their rotation. And then uh, the Cole signing. I just want to hit on this real quick because I know Tuttle, in talking to him before we got on air in our pre-production meeting, uh, we talked about uh, how funny and what a lot. Uh, there were a couple of pieces of controversy inside that. And when you signed with the New York Yankees, you have to shave. You cannot have facial hair. We've seen it with Johnny Damon. We've uh, seen it with a couple other guys. you got to cut the hair of the appropriate length. And we saw a cleaned-up version of Garrett Cole. And it was a little stunning to some people. But what a tyrannical dictatorship they're running over there with the Yankees where you can't have facial hair. If you want to be a Yankee, you're going to do it the Yankee way. and You're going to shave your face. So I thought it was kind of funny, you know, just in this PC world and environment that we live in to go, oh, my gosh, this they made him shave. They are taking away his personal identity and his appearance to go play for the Yankees. Give me a break, man. It's $324 million to shave his face. There are a lot of things that Tuttle and I would do to, uh, to uh, gain $324 million. But uh, you've got a little experience with this. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I thought it was kind of funny that a big deal was made over the shaving of the face, and that was just one of my mild opinions about that. Yeah, I, I think we said in our pre-production meeting, I don't want to tell people what I would do for $324 <laughs> million, but it's still, it is still laughable. Um, I, I think it was kind of different with the Reds, but Marge shot, and I don't know if that started with her husband, you know, we're talking about buying the team in the 60s and the 70s. And they were like, all right, well, this is how we're going to run this tight ship, you know, kind of like the military or, you know, 
going to give this appearance of professionalism. Yeah, know. but the funny thing about that is, you know, the Players Association probably had a little to to do with this with the Reds because that, you know, George Steinbrenner and the Yankees have kept it going. With the Reds, obviously, it went by the wayside when Marge Schott sold the team. But with the Reds, it was a line of minor leaguers, major leaguers. So, you know, even the, the dictatorship of the tyrannical regime that you, <laughs> they would only put their thumb on the guys that they felt like they could influence and, you know, could be some somewhat, uh, I don't know, somewhat, uh, you know, controlling, controlled, whatever. exactly. So they, the, in the minor leagues with the Reds, you had to have a decent haircut and you had to have no facial hair. And I remember when they would come around, we also, I mean, we couldn't like park at the minor league comp or, you know, they didn't want and us to break our pants cars. at a certain length and stirrups and yeah, like yeah. what, I mean, and that was only for the minor leaguers. So the major leaguers, we had the shared clubhouse. They would wander by you with like, you know, we had the nasty boys, you know, like Randy Myers and Rob Dibble and like cut off shirts and cigarettes and like no <laughs> shave and like long hair. And then you, there you are, this 20, you know, 21 year old all American baseball player. But it's like, <laughs> all right, no, you're wearing Johnny Bench's old pants, but you have to wear them to your knee and you have yep. to shave every day and you can't have your hair below your ears. It's like, come on, people. So the, <laughs> the tyranny went away with Cincinnati, but it does seem, you know, like you said, it seems a little archaic for them to do it. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. If you're going to work for an employer and they have some stipulations, you know, even for a lot less than $324 million, like, <laughs> hey, you know, put a tie on, sit up straight at your desk. Yeah. But, you know, they make such a big deal about it, especially on, uh, like you said, social media is not, should not be the guideline for how we, <laughs> how we're going to, that's right, how we're going to look at this. But, you know, they're giving him a hard time. Like, they took away his identity. It's like, yeah. yeah. For $324 million, and he's a Yankee fan, and he knew before he signed the contract that they were right. going to make him shave. Like, Okay, I think it's not a big deal. Yeah, strip me down and paint 324 on my back. I don't care. <laughs> Will you get uh, a tattoo on your butt that says 324 million yes. and that has a money bag next to it? Yes, I will. Thank yes, you. Yes, I will. And I will gladly go out and try and win you 20 games a year. <laughs> That's right. And Giambi's another guy they made shave. That's the yeah, other guy. that was a good Johnny one too. Yep. Giambi, you know, there's. Yeah, it's kind of funny some of the guys that they have signed. It's, it's amazing. In order to have greatness, maybe it's the whole Samson effect in baseball. If you, in order to be great, you've got to have long hair and a mega beard and then get the big contract and shave it all off. But, uh, you know, the Yankees are steeped in tradition. I know this goes way back, you know, so I get that part. It's just kind of funny how the, the today's universe is like, oh, my God, they made him shave. But uh, in that also in that same tradition aspect, there was a lot of controversy when he held up the uniform that had the Yankee logo and the pinstripes. We have all become accustomed to that, but there was something on there that everybody freaked out about, a Nike logo. Did that have as much of an impact on you as it did some of the traditionalists around the league, knowing that Nike, and I think it's fanatics also who have combined to get a to, to get a Major League Baseball deal to have their logo on the chest of every team for $1 billion. You know, it didn't surprise me. Part of that is I saw that they were going to do that this year. Yeah. It's kind of like the three batter rule. I've been kind of reading more than I had before we started the podcast maybe a year ago about baseball and uh, what's going on. And I knew that they were going to put that logo on there. I think what you said, it looks, you know, when you see it on a Brewers jersey or a Twins jersey, <laughs> it doesn't quite look the same. You put on a Yankees jersey with the swoosh, you're like, oh, that's on the pinstripes, the uh, immortal pinstripes that Babe mm -hmm. Ruth and, you know, Roger Maris and, 
you know, Mickey Mantle wore. And I think, you know, it probably was a little shocking. But again, I mean, if we're using social media as kind of the guideline or the guidepost for what we're going to do, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And I mean, we've seen it in the NBA already. I mean, watching the Warriors with the Rakuten or Rakuten like logo. And I mean, the swoosh is actually at least associated with athletics <laughs> and you know they did True. pay a lot of money Good for point. it it actually kind of fits the uniform better than what do you want them to put like a uniqlo like put the uniqlo <laughs> logo on the yankees jersey boy that would go crazy so i mean if we're going to do advertising you know at least the fact that they're um you know that they're involved in athletics and have been involved in athletics for a long time maybe uh, softens the blow for me a little bit yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny too, and I understand this day. I mean, it's the evolution, it's the money, and baseball is one of the. It's a big industry right now. They're making a ton of money. Guys are signing for big money. The league wants to continue to make money, and what better way to do it than putting just a nice little swoosh on there, and uh, make a billion dollars out of the situation? So. It's not as shocking to me, but a lot of people are going to say, too, is this Pandora's box? Are we all of a sudden going to open it up to anybody who can throw out a billion dollars to put their name on something? But ultimately, Major League Baseball has the option to say, no, we don't want to because we already got this contract. You got anything else? I do. Well, I was going to say, you you know, I mean, we look at obviously American sports and the, the lexicon and the foundation of all of these, you know, great teams that we know and following sports. But I watch soccer now. My daughter plays soccer, so I watch English Premier League soccer. Those guys look like, oh, um, you know, yeah, they look like Kevin Costner and Tim Cup, you know, <laughs> where he's got the like the trucking logo and the, you know, you're watching Messi, the greatest soccer player in the world, and you can't figure out what team he's playing for because it says like, you know, uh, United Arab Emirates, you know, or Emirates Airlines, or it says AXA. You're, they're only or, noticed by their by the uh, color of their uniform. That's they're right. Covered up with so many different logos. It's all logos, so that you know, like I said, I mean, the tin cup thing came to mind. But remember, you know, everybody else has their kind of like formal things, and he's got a jacket that's got nine patches on it and a hat with a. That's how I feel like watching. And English Premier League soccer is the number one revenue, you know, driving league in the entire world. Um, the contracts that go through there are huge. So, you know, I think we're just following suit with the rest of the world, and you know, eventually we'll have to get over get over it. And as we talked about the shrinking of the minor leagues, we talk about this, we talk about that. You know, follow the almighty dollar, and uh, therein will you find your answer. Yes, you will. And that's going to do it for some of the baseball, some of the sports. I'm going to just go ahead and throw it right into Blum and Blummer. Wait, I can throw it into Blum and Blummer, and we can oh, make it. Oh, bring it, because I, I forced my way into what I'll tell say. Dude, deliver me. No, I'm just saying, you you make it sound like I have all this like headline music. You got you know you got Harry and Lloyd that bring you in, and <laughs> what better way to uh, to kind of finish off the year here with our Blum and Blummer? Uh, I'm sorry, with our Bleacher Blums podcast. Then my favorite segment, Blum and Blummer. Huh? I expected the Rocky Mountains to be a little rockier than this. I was thinking the same thing. That's Jeff Blum's. Full of shit, man. Yep, that is it. I may be full of it sometimes, but uh, sometimes it can be highly entertaining. In this moment, in in Blum and Blummer, I'm going to give you some of some interesting. It kind of hit me the other day with some of this holiday fair that is going on, and it's it's on the topic of Christmas cards. I, I like opening Christmas cards. My kids love opening Christmas cards. But my question is, has Instagram ruined the idea of Christmas cards? We put 
our best images on our Christmas cards. We put our best foot forward. We show you the highlights of our of our year, and we send them out to everybody that we know or who we consider friends. But don't we already do that on Instagram? I don't have Facebook. I mean, I have Facebook for the podcast, but I don't I don't follow on Facebook. It's it's interesting to me. It got a little hyper political, but at the same time, I follow a lot of my friends and family on on uh, Instagram. I know what has happened in their lives. I know what is happening during the course of the year. I know their best moments. I know their highlights, but yet I have to go and and create a card, a collage or a uh, tapestry of emotions and faces and put a unique quote next to it and pay kill trees, I guess, if you want to take it that far and be California about it. And then I've got to buy, uh, you know, uh, two, 300 stamps and, and fire them out there just to remind you that we're friends. You're still on my friend list, guy. So it's kind of interesting to me. And, you know, Christmas cards for me. Oh, man, my wife listens to this. So I'm going to get chewed on this one. But, uh, you know, it's more of a friendship validation. If you get a Christmas card, if you get a Christmas card or I get a Christmas card for you, I'm like, hey, man, I'm still in the loop. I'm still friends with that person. But uh it's just kind of funny with the, the the advent of Instagram. I don't really feel that Christmas cards carry as much weight because a lot of the Christmas cards I do see, uh, whether it be from friends, family, or in other people's houses that are posted all over their their houses, I see the same pictures I've just seen on their Instagram feed. Just saying. And the one last thing, do you have any thoughts on the Christmas yeah, cards? Yeah, Blum and Blummer brought to you by Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> Ah, humbug. Like, yeah. what, the, what are you doing over there, buddy? Gosh. Oh, you, know, I, you don't have to wait for Corey to, you know, rip you a new one. It's like, hey, so we, I mean, we do take pictures. Um, I don't tend to post them. I'm like you. I don't have Facebook, but on Instagram, my posts tend to be Blum and Blummer related or Bleacher Blums podcast related or, you know, baseball related, I guess. I guess there's some CrossFit stuff on there too. But you know, I, I typically don't show people, you know, eating a meal at, you know, a nice restaurant or the peanut butter and jelly sandwich I ate or, you know, this or that. So I, I think there's still some, um, there's definitely some ceremony and some formality that is uh, lost probably with this new day and age of Instagram and social media. But, you know, my thing that that's the most difficult about the Christmas card is every year at Thanksgiving, my wife says, oh, you know, I'm not sure we have a good picture from this year, the nine months, 10 months prior. So, all right, at Thanksgiving, everybody wear nice clothes and smile. We're going to go out here and take a picture. And that's Hello. the that half hour, hour, hour and a half of trying to get the ideal picture and everybody wearing the. That's the part that's, you know, probably we could probably do the Christmas card with the iPhone now. But uh, anyway, that's the part that's tougher for me. I don't mind once it's loaded and put on the cards and, you know, I still haven't got my Blum uh, Christmas card this year. So I'm waiting for that validation. So we'll, we'll see how I'm going to hand deliver it. That's the beauty uh, of it. I'm going to save right. that $75 in stamps to, to, to bring it and hand deliver it. to. My I got to hand deliver it somewhere. I'm actually going to bring it and I'm going to take a pic, a selfie with you holding it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look for that on the next Instagram yeah. post. My son so, was saying yesterday, sorry to cut you off. My son no. was saying yesterday how we have to deliver the ones in the neighborhood because same thing, we're saving on the stamps. We have like eight people in the yeah. neighborhood just stamp, you know. Throw it in their mailbox and right. it's actually and genius on your part. Probably save yourself a good 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Ebenezer Blum is done now. And I just want <laughs> one last thing before I, I depart for the uh, Christmas break. 
is I, I had to uh, take a car in to get serviced and they gave me a loaner. And obviously I'm not Bluetoothed into this loaner car. I don't have my USB cord. So I've got to listen to uh, local channels. There's a, there's a pretty good rock station on or I came across and uh, you know they were playing, I can't remember what they were playing, but it was a, a, it was a good rock song that I enjoyed. The next thing that comes on is is what sounds like the beginning of a heavy metal song, and then I start to hear lyrics that I kind of recognize a little bit, and it, the, I think the band's name is I Prevail, and the name of the song was Blank Space, and that's what triggered the emotion for me. I went, what? Triggered. That's another word that might be a little overused. Uh, so I get triggered because I see the name of the song, and I'm going, Blank Space, and then I hear the lyrics, and I'm going, wait a minute. There, there's a heavy bass, you know, uh, drum beat in the back. There's this loud crunching guitar noise. And this guy's going, nice to meet you. Where you been? I could show. I'm like, wait a minute. These are Taylor Swift lyrics. And sure enough, the guy gets in the middle of it. And all of a sudden I hear this. Oh, my God. Look at the face or look at his face. And I'm like, did that dude just try and grunt out? A, and sure enough, this heavy metal band is covering a Taylor Swift song stop don't do that it, i could if your song makes me laugh because you made an attempt to sing a taylor swift song or a pop song i'm out sorry that just caught me off guard that, that actually happened to me like 20 minutes ago so that's why it came up no i i there's a bunch of those now and i i, I cruise around xm but uh i know metallica covered uh garbage uh stupid girl they covered that song really um yeah yeah and there's oh. There's one that's on the tip of my tongue. I, I don't want to sing the song. It's either Garbage or um, Cranberries. I remember uh, Alien Ant Farm did uh, Smooth well, Criminal. That they was actually a good did a good cover. job on that yeah. one. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's Taylor Swift. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm with you. These these uh, heavy metal rock bands covering this slow stuff is weird. And <laughs> and just to kind of piggyback off that, we had a Christmas party that we I went to last week. And they had a little trivia segment. And they had um, Big Band playing popular songs and trying oh, to nice guess. that's actually a fun little game like that's lounge how, music that's like yeah lounge music like enter uh, sandman yeah absolutely and we had a guess you would not believe how hard that is really i'm like i know this song oh oh uh i know this song and they don't have the words until the end and you're like oh you know and you just can't picture it so we were trying to do the name of, you know name of the song plus the artist and i got you know i was like 50 50 some i knew the song some I knew the artist, and I just could. It was really hard to marry the two, which is kind of what you experience today when you're like, blank space. I, I've heard these lyrics before. My daughter's what? What is this? Yeah, yeah. It just blows you away. It doesn't. It doesn't line up in your. Uh, in your. Yeah, and mind. maybe that's what it is. Yeah, the, the the ear and the lyric. I was just like, whoa, this is just. I can't. It's, it was way too twisted for me to even comprehend. But uh, that that's it. A couple of rants right there, and a big week for us. You know, don't bet on it is what we're going to talk about right here with Tuttle. He's got all the insight, been doing a great job this year of betting without our money. And, you know, as far as betting, we're talking about fantasy football at the same time. We are in the championship game. Drew Brees, record-setting night he had last week, really put us over the top. But we're in a little bit of a bind this week, considering who we're playing against. We're playing against a team that has Lamar Jackson and uh, McCaffrey on their team. I would really love to see Lamar just kind of take the night off, relax a little bit, got the MVP sewn up. The team has clinched their uh, division. Why don't we pull back and just protect L Lamar for the playoff situation? Wouldn't that be great? 
I don't want to jinx us, but they're playing Cleveland in Cleveland, and you Blow know Lamar's. A, yeah, what? Blow them out early and set them down for a second half. Well, yeah, I mean they're going to continue maybe rolling along, but I will say after the way that Cleveland played against Arizona last week, and I know I don't know if they're fighting for their coach or not. I mean, I, I used to say this about first round picks in baseball. You know, if you go watch a game and there's a guy that stands out, like your grandmother could be like, oh, yeah, that's a first round pick. Mm -hmm. It's what we talk about. It's like the 10th round pick. I think grandma could see that Freddie Kitchens will be fired in like three weeks. (laughs) Grandma's like, that guy's a terrible coach. But if they have pride and we know the Baltimore Cleveland, you know, kind of rivalry because Baltimore packed up in the Mm -hmm. middle of the night and that whole thing with Art Modell, like, you know, maybe we have some hope. But obviously, from a point scored standpoint, um, it's going to be a tough battle. But yeah, you know, Lamar has been putting up great game after great game after great game. Um, as you said, McCaffrey's like chasing, you know, in the next two weeks, he can chase some things. But, uh, you know, we've been on top all year and there's no reason to think that we can't pull it out. But uh, maybe Lamar shares the wealth, like hand the ball off to Mark Ingram, get up 21 <laughs> nothing, and then uh, then pack it in. I, I'd like to see that as well. So. Um, all right. So from the don't bet on a segment, do you want me to throw some bets out there for you? Yeah, why not? We've got nothing but NFL this weekend, right? Yeah, we do. But I'm not going to give you any NFL. How about that? Isn't that wow. hilarious? So last week I was uh, I was one and one. So that's not good. So 50 percent. I only gave two games and uh, I won even. one and I lost one. I think the one I lost was against Baltimore. I took uh, on Thursday night plus 17, mm-hmm. the Jets plus 17. And we, we lost that one. And then I won the Giants. So um, I'm just going to give you the college football championship. We're just going to go early because I don't know if we'll be on until oh, yeah. first I guess of the we'll, year. we'll probably be on before the final game, right? Because that's the week after. Yeah, but it's good to cover it now because, yeah. I mean, our next yeah. podcast could be an absolute train wreck of, yeah. of words. So this is not <laughs> going to be that. Yeah, I agree. This, this is not going to be a uh, – kind of earth shattering news, but I kind of feel like there's going to be an um, unseating of the the champ this year. Um, I do think Clemson is still playing the best. Clemson always gave Alabama the hardest time The the game I'm having the most struggle with is Ohio state and Clemson, but I feel like Dabo Sweeney's done a great job in big games and Ohio state doesn't. Now they don't have urban Meyer. They don't have that experience. So I think that's going to be a barn burner, but I'm going to take Clemson minus two in the Clemson Ohio state game. I feel, like, I feel like Clemson is a little more daring. I feel like Dabo Sweeney does a good job of game planning, but if he needs to, he's not afraid to pull the trigger on a trick play or try something a little bit different to win those things, man. Yeah, and they've been boat racing people. I mean, God, 62 yeah. to 3, I took a couple weeks ago, I took Virginia plus 30, and I think I still lost that game, I mean, you know, yeah. against Clemson. So they're they're not afraid. So I, I like Clemson in that game with the experience and the the fact that they have a chip on their shoulder for kind of being overlooked. They were number one at the beginning of the year. They haven't lost any games, and now they're not number one. They're like, what happened? <laughs> but And I'm going to take uh, – I usually like to get points. I'm going to take LSU minus 13. Oklahoma had three players Ooh. suspended. I don't feel like they have the, you know, kind of the the same defense that they've had in the past. That could be a barn burner. I'm going to take LSU minus 13. If they don't win that game, you know, if you lose your bet on your don't bet on it segment, I still see them winning outright. And you have LSU Clemson in the championship game. And I just feel like not not that Ed Orgeron's a great big game coach, but I have a feeling LSU is just kind of a team of destiny this year. So I'm going to take you can yeah, see I'm that gonna, I'm going to take LSU to win it all. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the spread is on that game. But if you just want to go money line, I'm, I'm going to take LSU to win the national championship this year for college football. 
I love it. I'm looking forward to that. I think this year is going to be great. No offense to Alabama and their greatness. I love the fact that they do dominate and they've created a little bit of a legacy dynasty, whatever you call it. But I'm glad that they're not in it. I'm glad that some of these other teams have really made an opportunity for themselves. And they've done it in different ways. I love the uh, the difference in teams, coaches, personnel, whatever you want to call it, athleticism. But uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And I think those are great calls, Tuttle. Thanks, man. Oh, I wanted to add one more thing. It's so funny because we talk about parity in, uh, in professional sports. Certainly, um, that's what the minor league baseball kind of downsizing is looking for, a little more parity. But they named that yesterday was college signing day for football. Yeah. And they named the top four recruiting classes. The top four recruiting classes, and I'll throw a fifth in there, were LSU, Clemson, uh, Alabama, Oklahoma and Georgia, I believe. And if you look at the rankings right now and what teams are in the playoffs, like, huh, I wonder how that happens anyway. So there's not a whole lot of parity, but to your point, Alabama has a dynasty and they're not in it this year in the final four. And I think, like you said, to me, that always kind of creates a little more excitement and gives some other players and um, uh, colleges a chance to shine. Great stuff. It's been a good podcast. We've touched on some topics, some heavy, some light, some rants, some uh, maybe maybe they're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about the Christmas card. If I am, make sure you let us know. You can get to me at Blummer27 on both Instagram and Twitter. You can get to David Tuttle at Real David Tuttle on Twitter and Instagram. I'll try and do the best I can to give you a pretty good storyline on my Instagram and on Twitter when I get to hook up and see Tuttle out there on the West Coast. But uh, to everybody out there, enjoy the holiday season, enjoy family, enjoy friends, uh, you know, embrace them. I want to give you a little bit of an update on a very good friend of mine and coworker, Steve Sparks, who did have a heart attack. He is doing fine. He's resting at home. Uh, we're back to ragging each other and enjoying that competitive banter that we always have with him. But uh, in this, knowing some of the things that have gone on around uh, some of the friends that I've had, just be sure to 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 love each other and embrace the moments and, uh, you know, forgive, uh, not necessarily forget, but make sure you forgive and hug each other and let them know how you feel about them. Because it, it is a great time of year where we all make the effort to see each other and just let each other know that we do appreciate you. And all of you listening to the Bleacher Blums podcast at home and abroad, we love you. We appreciate you being on with us. And, of course, our first responders and military, we are literally – unable to do any of this without you so know that while you're away during this holiday season or you get the opportunity to come back embrace the family because we embrace you you are a part of the bleacher blums family best of wishes to everybody have a great holiday season Tuttle, i'm going to give you a last couple words before we get to that uh to our sign off yeah, no, I'm I'm excited as well for the holiday season to be here, and I'll make sure that I uh, that I give people an extra an extra hug and an extra thought and prayer. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to having a little break here and uh, looking forward to seeing you, Blummer. So uh, have a wonderful holiday season up until the time I see you, and uh, and we'll we'll be back on air uh, maybe after the new year. Yep, and this is the half century mark for us. This is podcast number 50, so a little bit of a milestone for the Bleacher Blums. And we are going to sign off, and we want to wish everybody well. Stay tuned. We will do our best to get you something next week and keep you entertained during the off time. But until then, we want you during this holiday season to get after it. And most of all, believe it. Believe it.